Welcome to the 158th podcast and the 128th as a city on a hill church. We've been hunkered down in our homes now for several weeks, doing our best to avoid the silent and visible enemy that stalks us. But is that anything new? As Christians, we're always aware that there is a constant, invisible enemy hoping to woo us with his lies, his false promises, onto his death-giving path. The same words that help us avoid that unseen evil are the same words that help us avoid this reasonably new evil that keeps us socially distant. Pastor Mike takes a thorough look at those words as they reach out to us from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Here is the third in the Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled series from Pastor Michael Clark. And again, we welcome you to Calvary Chapel of Visalia for our live webcast, our Wednesday night service. And uh, we're so thankful that you have decided to join us tonight and you're tuning in. Uh, We pray that you are uh, being blessed and ministered to there at home as we are here to minister to you there tonight. We do have our uh, special Easter service broadcast this Sunday, of course, uh, is Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. And so we invite you all to join us at 1045 for our Easter service. It'll be live and live streamed and we have a special service planned. And so uh, invite your friends and family to tune in uh, for Easter Sunday. Obviously, uh, everybody's going to be at home this Easter. It's a very unusual time where people cannot uh, gather together uh, around the world to celebrate the resurrection of Christ together, uh, but we certainly welcome you and invite you to join us online for Easter Sunday service at 1045 a.m. And one more thing before we get into the message here tonight, it is uh, the Jewish Passover today, which is interesting. Um, it, it isn't every year because the Passover is tied to uh, the lunar calendar. Uh, the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar based on the moon. And uh, Easter is uh, it doesn't always fall on the same week as Passover. But, of course, uh, Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples at the Last Supper. And so it is it is the Passover tonight where uh, Jewish people around the world are remembering the Passover lamb that uh, spared their firstborn in Egypt from the angel of death as they applied the blood of the Passover lamb to the doorposts and the lintels of their homes as they were in bondage in Egypt. The angel of death passed over their homes and uh, the firstborn was saved and spared. And we know that that lamb is a picture of Jesus Christ, a type of Jesus Christ, uh, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, Also this week, the Passion Week is... Uh, Good Friday. And so Friday night, it's Wednesday now. Friday night is going to be Good Friday. And I just encourage you to take some time Friday afternoon and to remember uh, Jesus' death upon the cross. It's called Good Friday because Jesus died for our sins on that Friday. He hung upon that cross and he died for our sins and for the sins of the whole world, the scriptures tell us. And so I just uh, encourage you to uh, be uh, meditating on that this Friday, especially Friday afternoon. Maybe even take some time with your family and read uh, the story in the Gospel of Matthew or uh, one of the Gospel accounts of the death of Christ uh, on the cross. And then, of course, the resurrection follows 
three days later on Easter Sunday. If you would like to open your Bibles, I'm going to be in Proverbs chapter 3 tonight. And I've been teaching a series here on Wednesday nights. I wasn't able to uh, be here last Wednesday. Pastor Bob was here. Um, but two, two Wednesdays now, we've been looking at a series entitled Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled as we are dealing with troubling times, perilous times, really, uh, with the coronavirus and, and everything kind of being shut down. It's kind of like God has hit the pause button on life for most of us. Uh, certainly, it is um, a different time for all of us. It's not normal, very unusual, uh, and it is a troubling time. And yet, Jesus tells us, let not your hearts be troubled. Uh, because, why? Because we believe in him. And so we do not fear. We don't we're not troubled as the rest of the world is, although it is perilous times in which we live. And so I'd like to focus on just a couple of verses here in Proverbs chapter three, if you'd like to open your Bibles there. And I've entitled this message, Trusting in the Lord, and uh, it would be part three of the series that we started a few weeks ago, uh, the series entitled Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. And this message is entitled Trusting in the Lord, Proverbs chapter three. Verses five and six, very well known couple of verses here in the book of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Father, as we open your word, we invite your Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Please speak to us tonight. By your word and through your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Today, really, like never before, we as Christians must trust in the Lord and not lean on our own understanding. This is really the time for us to show what Christianity is to a very lost and fearful and anxious world. People are scared. Uh, People have good reason to be scared. There's a lot of things that are happening that people have never experienced before um, at any time in, in, in modern history, possibly in all of history, that the whole world is experiencing this uh, economic shutdown, this social and physical distancing requirement uh, and uh, really, uh, the economy is is uncertain. It's very uncertain times. And so uh, this is the time for us to prove our faith in God, to show what it is to be a Christian and to let our light shine so that people can know uh, that there's something unique about Christians. There's something that is attractive about what we believe and who we are, that we would draw people to Christ during this time of uncertainty, fear, uh, and anxiety. This is also a time for us to demonstrate that we have peace in the midst of uh, the storm. And the only reason that we have peace is because the Prince of Peace, Jesus himself, resides within us. And so as his people, we are calm, we are trusting in God, and we have a peace that this world is lacking. 
And this world is seeking, actually, and desiring. And so this is our time to demonstrate our peace before man, our peace in God, in the midst of this storm, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what is happening around us. This is also a time for us as His people to cling to and cleave to the promises in God's Word, that we would be those who would be trusting in God and standing upon the hope and the promises that are found within the Bible, within His Word. Now, the book of Proverbs, as many of you know, is the book of wisdom. And wisdom comes from God. Wisdom is much more than simple information. It's much more than just mere knowledge. Wisdom uh, is actually uh, greater than all of the accumulation of knowledge. You could have a whole bunch of knowledge and still be a fool, according to the Bible. Uh, and so wisdom is much more than just the gathering or the accumulation of information or knowledge. Uh, wisdom is actually God's information, that information that God has given us in his word through his Holy Spirit that he wants us to know, that he wants us to uh, own for ourselves, that it becomes ours. It's his, but he's giving his wisdom to us so that it would become ours, that we would then have understanding of his word. And once we have the knowledge of his word, And then we have the understanding, which only God can give us the understanding by his Holy Spirit of his word. Uh, Then when we act upon that knowledge of God through his word, then that becomes wisdom. So wisdom is really the application of God's knowledge, the information God gives us in his word, the understanding that he gives us. And then we live it out. Then it's the application of that knowledge and that understanding that he has given us. And really, this is uh, exclusive just to God's people. Uh, the, the carnal man or the unsaved man or woman really cannot discern spiritual things. Uh, the book of Corinthians tells us, 1 Corinthians tells us this, that uh, the carnal man, the unsaved man, cannot ascertain or discern things of the Spirit because they're only spiritually discerned. It's only revealed through the Spirit of God. And if we don't have the Spirit of God, we really could have all the head knowledge, we can memorize a bunch of Scripture, but we don't yet know the God of the Bible and we don't have wisdom. It's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that we receive the Holy Spirit and that then God's Word opens up up to us and we begin to understand it. And once we understand it, we still have a choice to then apply it to our daily lives. So we begin to live out His word. And that is true wisdom when you are living out the word of God personally uh, as a Christian, as one of God's children. The book of Proverbs is the book of, of wisdom. It was written by King Solomon. Solomon is the son of King David. Uh, and Solomon is and was uh, the wisest man who ever lived. Uh, he went into uh, folly toward the end of his life because he abandoned the things that he knew uh, earlier in his life. And so scholars believe that King Solomon wrote the book of uh, Proverbs, the book of wisdom, uh, very early in his uh, life when he became the king uh, of Israel. 
And uh, and then he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes later in his life after he had sort of fallen away from God. And you, you see a dramatic contrast between the book of Ecclesiastes uh, and the book of, of Proverbs. Proverbs is pure truth, uh, pure wisdom. Uh, Ecclesiastes is more of a jaded, uh, bitter old man who's complaining, kind of a carnal, worldly man who's complaining about all of his problems. And so uh, even Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, who wrote the book of Proverbs, who uh, uh, had this wisdom given to him from God toward the end of his life, he forsook the Lord and he went after uh, other things and, and, and put other things, uh, material things in the place of God. And so it's a warning to all of us. But I'd like to go back to verse one here in Proverbs chapter three. Verse one says this, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace. They will add to you. So this could be to uh, his son or his daughter. This is to uh, basically his children. And if you are a Christian, you are a son or you are a daughter of God. And so this is speaking to you and I, although it was written by King Solomon to his own son. uh, No doubt God inspired this for all of us. So when we read my son, it's speaking to us, whether it's a son or a daughter, we're his children. Uh, Forget not my law or do not Forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now, in order to not forget something, you have to know it in the first place. You can't forget something that you don't know, uh, obviously. And so you must first learn uh, God's law or learn his word. You must acquire wisdom and to acquire wisdom, you must study God's word. Uh, and and so then once you acquire uh wisdom or knowledge from God's word, then you are called and I am called to not forget his word or his law. So we must first study God's word. We must learn his word. Uh, We must uh, uh, keep his word diligently, that which he teaches us. We must apply it to our lives. And as we do this, God promises to give us blessings. He promises to give us a long, full, rich meaningful life. And that doesn't mean that you're going to live to be 120. That would probably be more of a curse than a blessing, actually, to live that long. So it's not just talking about the length of life as much as the uh, the uh, fullness of life, the meaning of life, the richness of the life that he gives us, whether it's for 20 years or 80 years or 60 years or whatever time it is. If we Uh, keep God's word, if we learn his word and we apply it to ourselves and we keep his commandments, a length of days and long life and peace, they will add uh, to you and to me. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so God's word gives us light. It gives us illumination, a lamp unto my feet. It shows us where we're going so that we don't step into a into a pit uh, uh, it, so that we don't get caught up in a snare of the enemy. It's a lamp. God's word gives us illumination and light for our steps so that we know where we're going. 
a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, so that we could see not just our feet in front of us to make sure we don't stumble over a stumbling block or get snared by the enemy or fall into a pit, but also it tells us where we're going. God's Word shows us where we're going so that we uh, know the right direction to take. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, the scriptures tell us, and this is a, a wonderful uh, declaration of God's word for his people. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living or alive and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents or the intentions of the heart. And so God's word literally uh, exposes our own hearts. So that's why sometimes as we, as his people, as we study his word, or even as we hear a sermon, uh, sometimes his word makes us feel uncomfortable, especially if we're living in a way that is contradictory to what his word says uh, we should be doing. And, and that's good. It's good for the Lord to convict us. It's good for the Lord to challenge us. It's good for the Lord to expose these things in our lives. It's good for us for these things to happen. And so we should uh, be thankful and grateful when the Lord uses his word to sort of divide, as it were, the things of our heart that we need to be aware of. Because sometimes we're blind uh, to our own reality. We don't see things properly. God's word will show us like a mirror, show us those areas of our life that we need to get right with him. God's word is alive. And that's why you could read the word of God every day. I encourage you to read the word of God every day in your devotional time. That's why it's good to listen to sermons again and again, uh, because God's word is always fresh. It's always alive. It's living. So you could read the same book of the Bible or the same chapter of a book of the Bible, or you could read through the Bible uh, every year and God will speak to you differently. Even though his word doesn't change, you are a different person. Let's say that you read this text, Hebrews 4.12 or Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 a year ago. It may mean something different to you today than what it meant to you a year ago because you're not the same person. I'm not the same person. Hopefully we're more like Christ this year than we were last year. Hopefully I'm a better Christian now than I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 25 years ago, let's say, when I got saved. I would hope that that as I read God's word, it would speak to me in a new way, in a different way, as I become more like God wants me to be, as I become more like Christ. He is the goal. Our goal is to be like Jesus. And so God's word is powerful. His word is powerful, it's living, and it divides, as it were, the soul and the spirit, even to the uh, division of the bone and the marrow, revealing even the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, wisdom, uh, James tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let's let's read that again. If any of you lacks wisdom, and I would say that we would all probably admit that we are not the sum 
total of wisdom. We don't I don't know all wisdom. Uh, and so I'm lacking in wisdom. I would assume that you probably are lacking in wisdom also, no matter who you are or, or where you're at in your Christian walk. So if any of you is lacking in wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so it's always a good thing for us as Christians to ask the Lord to give us wisdom from himself and from his word. And as we seek, we will find as we seek to acquire wisdom, God will give us wisdom. He promises to do so here in his word. And I encourage you, I have been reading the book of Proverbs uh Pretty much every day, I I like to say every day, but I guess there's probably days when I've missed over the last 25 years, realistically. But uh, typically every day I read the book of Proverbs. And so I've read through the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And I learned this as a brand new Christian. Someone taught me, read the book of Proverbs every day. It'll make you wise. Uh, and, And so I know I'm not wise yet. I still need more wisdom. So I still continue to read the book of Proverbs every day. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So every day uh, of the calendar month, you have a book, uh, a chapter rather, of the book of Proverbs to read. So today is the 8th of April. So this morning I read Proverbs uh, chapter 8. Yesterday was the 7th. I read Proverbs chapter 7. Tomorrow, uh, uh, God willing, if I'm still here, I'll read uh, Proverbs chapter 9 because it'll be the 9th of Uh, of the month of April. And so if you read one chapter of the book of Proverbs every day and you ask God to speak to you and to teach you wisdom, I believe that he will do that. He'll do just that for you. Uh, And so Proverbs is one of the books that you could read over and over again. Uh, There's 31 chapters. And so you will never run out of chapters to read, even in a month where there's 31 days in a month. Uh, And you will you could start over again the first of next month and start on the first of May and read Proverbs chapter one on May 1st and then June 1st, Proverbs chapter one on June 1st. And it's amazing how all of a sudden, as you read this for uh, weeks and months and then years, the book of Proverbs, it just begins to sink into your soul, into your heart. And uh, and, and it's a very simple way that any of us can grow uh, in wisdom. So he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God uh, who gives liberally and without reproach and it'll be given to him. Now, we can't just sleep on our uh, our Bibles at night and hope to wake up with knowledge or wisdom or understanding. You have to study. You have to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And as you study God's word, as you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you God's word and to give you wisdom, we have the promise right here from God that if we seek wisdom from his word and from God himself, he will deliver wisdom to you and to me. Now, back in Proverbs chapter three, what what is wisdom? What does wisdom do for us practically? Well, Proverbs chapter three, verse 13 says this about the man or the woman who finds wisdom. Happy is the man or blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies 
and all the things that you uh, all the things you may desire cannot compare with her with wisdom. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Verse 18 of Proverbs 3. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. And it's so interesting because there's such a beautiful truth here. And yet Solomon abandoned wisdom toward the end of his life. You know he did because you read the story about him taking a thousand wives and concubines and setting up altars for foreign gods in Jerusalem for his foreign wives and how he uh, multiplied gold and he multiplied wives and he multiplied horses, all the things that the kings of Israel were commanded not to do. And then you read the end of his life as a jaded, bitter old man in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's still brilliant. He's still very, very intelligent. The book of Ecclesiastes uh, is a great book. Uh, I taught through it in Tehachapi about a year ago, maybe nine months ago or so fascinating book, the book of Ecclesiastes, but it's not it's not wisdom like Proverbs is. It's more just like a jaded, smart guy who's talking about um, basically how unhappy he is and how miserable he is and, you know, how uh, um, worthless his life is. And so he's telling us here he would have been uh, wise to take his own advice to heed his own writings here, Solomon. He says, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happier all who retain her or maintain her or keep her and continue to seek uh, wisdom. It's, it's interesting here that it says that wisdom is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. You know, Satan is so clever and such a deceiver when he came to Adam and Eve. And uh, we don't know where Adam was, but we know that he was talking to Eve. Adam may have been there. He may not have been there. Uh, but. You know, uh, basically, he was tempting man and woman to eat from the tree, not of life, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And and, and that's what brought sin into the world and brought death into the world and brought diseases into the world like the coronavirus and so forth, uh, was the fact that man sinned. They disobeyed God and uh, they ate from the forbidden fruit of the forbidden tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so knowledge of good and evil is not the same thing as wisdom. Wisdom is a tree of life. Wisdom will only give you life. Knowledge of good and evil um, obviously can lead to death or does lead to death. We're not to be knowledgeable of evil. I mean, it's good to be knowledgeable of good. The knowledge of good and evil is what the tree represented. And of course, uh, if it was the knowledge of good, that would have been fine. But it was the idea of the knowledge of evil. See, we're called to be innocent of evil. We're called to forsake evil. We're called to not walk in darkness, not to practice the things of darkness as God's people. Uh, and so uh, this is a tree of life for those who take hold of her. Wisdom from God's word. In verse 21 of Proverbs 3, he continues, Solomon continues here about wisdom. He says, my son, or could be my daughter here, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, 
you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and your, will keep your foot from being caught. And so, you know, once you have wisdom, not only are you happy and blessed because you have wisdom, uh, which we read earlier in Proverbs chapter 3, but it's also wisdom is, a, is sort of a protection for us. From evil, it protects us from mistakes, from making uh, unwise choices that are going to harm us and, and things that we would do that we would then later regret that are going to cause us or our loved ones, the people that we love, pain. Uh, he says, you know, keep sound wisdom and discretion. They will be life to your soul, grace to your neck. You'll walk safely. Your foot won't stumble. You'll be able to sleep and you won't be afraid uh, when you lie down at night. You'll, your sleep will be sweet. You won't be worried about what's to come, a sudden terror or trouble from the wicked when it comes because the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And so, you know, really seeking after wisdom uh, wisdom is its own reward. As you grow in the knowledge of God through his word, you are blessed and you can't help but being blessed. And as you then begin to practice what his word says to do and live in a way that is pleasing to God, then God blesses that man or that woman. And you just really can't lose because even if uh, even if you die, we're all going to die, right? At some point, we're all going to die. The wages of sin is death. There's uh, all have sinned, so all are going to die. Uh, but even in death, we don't fear judgment because Jesus Christ took the judgment upon the cross of Calvary and gave us forgiveness and eternal life to where, you know, death is not the end for the Christian. We, we don't fear death. Uh, death is just really a graduation celebration to get to go to be with Jesus and the angels and the saints and all of our loved ones who have died in Christ before us. And so. Uh, God's wisdom uh, teaches us about himself and teaches us how he wants us to live. And as we learn this and as we do it, we are the benefactors. We are the beneficiaries. We're the ones whose lives are blessed as we apply his word uh, and his wisdom to ourselves. In Proverbs chapter 2, the uh, previous chapter or or the the chapter here before Proverbs 3, Proverbs chapter 2, verse uh, 1 through 11, I'll read this to you, says this. My son, if you receive my words and you treasure my commands within you so that you will incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and you lift up your voice for understanding If you seek her wisdom as silver and you search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice He preserves the way of his saints or of his holy ones. Verse nine, then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant 
to your soul. Discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. And so if you are someone who has wisdom, there's so many uh, benefits to the wisdom of God from God's word to the child of God. It's life really to us. Then we understand things. Then we have God's mind. We have his heart. Uh, and by his spirit, we become conformed into the image of Christ. We become transformed by the renewing of our minds through the word of God into the image of Christ. We become more and more like Jesus. And that's the goal. That's the goal for every Christian is to become more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And tomorrow I want to be more like Jesus than I am today. And that's our goal. And eventually we're going to be perfected when we get to go to be with Jesus in heaven. But discretion, it says, Proverbs 2.11, will preserve you. And understanding will keep you when wisdom has entered your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Now, there are some people, they, they cannot stand the word of God. There's some people that if, as soon as you start quoting scriptures, they turn the channel. They turn you off, as it were, or, or they'll get up and walk out of some churches because they don't want to hear God's word. And that's really the fool uh, who doesn't want to hear God's word. And that's who I was before I was saved. That's who you were before you were saved. We were fools, according to the Bible, because we had no appetite for the things of God. We didn't desire God's wisdom. We wanted the wisdom uh, of the world. And yet the wisdom of the world is folly and it leads to death and to destruction. And man is constantly making new things up and changing his mind about everything. How could you trust the word of man? Man doesn't keep his word. Man changes his word. God's word never changes. It abides forever. Thy word is truth, Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them by thy truth, Father. Thy word is truth. And so if we want truth, uh, then we are wise people. If we don't want truth, then the Bible says uh, we're fools and we're really bringing judgment upon ourselves. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, we read this about wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And again, this is not to judge uh, people and call them uh, fools. This is what God says about them. If you don't want God's wisdom, God says you're a fool because really God's trying to help you. He wants to aid you in your life. He wants to uh, benefit you. He wants to teach you. He wants to instruct you. And he wants to do the same for me. But if we uh, reject that, then we are fools and we bring uh, basically uh, lots of unintended consequences upon our lives and regrets as we uh, uh, spurn the wisdom of God. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so you have to start with that. It's the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of true knowledge is the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 3, we read this. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so you will find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. I think we could all agree that we all want uh, favor in God's eyes. I know I would like God to favor me 
I'm sure you want God to favor you. And so if you want to find favor and high esteem in the eyes of God and man, so not just uh, the spiritual, but also the material or the physical realm, then he says to do this. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Mercy and truth. Grace and truth mentioned over and over again, especially in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. It's the character and the nature of Christ It's the character and the nature of God. Pure truth and yet total mercy, mercy and truth. And so when the Bible says, let not mercy and truth forsake you, you know, we all as Christians understand the mercy of God. It's the uh, uh, not getting what we don't deserve. We deserve wrath. We're sinners. We deserve hell. We don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve his forgiveness or his love. But we sure do appreciate his grace. We sure do appreciate his love. We are those who are the benefactors of his mercy as his children. He's demonstrated mercy to us by uh, going to the cross and dying on the cross for our sins and then sending his Holy Spirit to draw us to himself and then causing us to be born again and adopting us into his family as his sons and daughters, writing our names into the Lamb's Book of Life, uh, promising us eternity with him forever in heaven, giving us the down payment of his Holy Spirit to live within us. We sure do appreciate God's mercy as his children. And yet God says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. If, if we have been the, benef- the benefactors, the beneficiaries of God's mercy, should we not then also show mercy to others? Should we not also be merciful to others because God has been so merciful uh, to us? We're not getting what we deserve. So why do we want to give everybody else what they deserve, what they have coming to them when they wrong us or when they offend us or when they step on our toes? Uh, if we want to be wise and we want to find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man, we must not forsake mercy or truth. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. These were the people that were literally nailing the uh, spikes into his hands and hanging him on a cross where he was there being mocked and tortured uh, there on the cross of Calvary. And, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Uh, and so we must do the same. We are his children. We're his people. God has been merciful to us. We must show mercy to others. Jesus modeled this perfectly for us, not just with his uh, prayer on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But the way that Jesus lived, what he taught us to do. Uh, turn the other cheek. If somebody strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek also. Uh, go the extra mile. If somebody forces you to go a mile, Jesus said, go the extra mile. Uh, give them your shirt off your back. If somebody takes your coat, give them your cloak also. And he says, uh, if you do this, then you will be like your father who is in heaven. He says that we are to pray for those who persecute you, that we are to love those who hate you, that we are to do good to those who spitefully use you, then Jesus says you will be like your father who is in heaven, who causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust and the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so let not mercy and truth forsake you. We should be the most merciful, forgiving, kind people on the planet because God has been so merciful to us.
and wise men, wise women will not let mercy or truth forsake them. But mercy cannot replace truth. Truth stands as truth. Truth is eternal. Truth uh, is forever. Uh, and truth cannot be compromised. And so we must not compromise the truth for the sake of mercy. God doesn't compromise the truth for the sake of mercy. He tells us the truth. And it's, uh, it's the truth, whether we like it or not. Uh, and so we also must be those who practice the truth, who live the truth, who speak the truth, even though there's going to be people that are going to think we're judgmental, they're going to think we're hateful, they're going to think we're mean. Uh, but it's the truth. The truth is, is that we're all sinners and that uh, we're all going to die and that without Christ, we're all going to go to hell. That's the truth. It may be an offensive message. It may not be a popular message, but it's the truth. And so in order to show mercy, we can't compromise the truth. We must speak the truth in love. Again, John 17 17 says, thy word is truth. So we know God's word is the truth. Psalm 119, verse 151, the psalmist says, all of your commandments are truth. Psalm 119, 151, all of your commandments are truth. And so God's word is truth. We must not let truth forsake us either. We can't, you know, replace uh, uh, truth with mercy uh, and we can't replace mercy with truth. They both stand together. Um, John chapter 1 verse 14 tells us about Jesus as Jesus is the word who became flesh. Uh, we read this, John 1 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So we know that the Word is speaking of Jesus. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. This is when Jesus took on a human uh, body through the Virgin Mary and became flesh. We beheld His glory. The glory is is of the only begotten of the Father. And He was full of grace and truth. So Jesus never compromised the truth. He didn't just tell people what they wanted to hear just to placate them or make them feel better about themselves and their sin. He spoke the truth. Matter of fact, he spoke the truth so much that they hated him and they put him on a cross. But he still continued to speak the truth. But he also was full of grace. He was full of mercy. And that's why we love him and we appreciate him so much because um, Basically, Jesus has shown us that grace and mercy as his people. So we are to be those who do not compromise the truth. We stand upon God's word. We don't make excuses for it. We don't explain it away. And we don't certainly uh, neglect to teach his word or to share his word with others, although it may offend. But it's with a heart of mercy. It's with a heart of grace, full of grace and truth. Again, in Proverbs chapter 3 in verse three, we're said we're told, uh, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Keep keep mercy, keep truth, hold on to them, bind them around your neck, write them upon the tablet of your heart. And as you do this, as you uh, let uh, make mercy and truth your goal that you want to be more like Jesus, you want to know more about his truth and you want to be more like Jesus in mercy and grace. Uh, and you you cling to this, you you don't forsake this, then you will find favor and 
high esteem or good understanding in the sight of God and man. You know, the secret, everybody wants to know the secret to success. Everybody wants to know how to win friends and influence people, how to get ahead in life. Well, it's very simple for the Christian. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. And uh, and then these things will be added unto you. You'll find favor and high esteem, prosperity, success, as it were, in the sight of God and of man. In Psalms chapter one, the psalmist says this in verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night and he shall be like a tree which is planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, who whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does, he shall prosper. Basically telling us the same thing that we're reading in Proverbs chapter three here in Psalms chapter one. Oh, how happy or how blessed is the man who doesn't walk after the unbelievers counsel or hang out with sinners and make themselves at home uh, in sin or in sinful places or with sinful people or scorners. But his delight or her delight is in the law of God that we desire his word and his truth and we meditate on his word. And then we are like a healthy tree, a fruitful tree planted by rivers of water, whether there's famine or drought, we're going to still be fruitful for God. And we are still going to be those who prosper in the things that really actually matter. And it's not necessarily uh, just talking about financial prosperity, but just Prospering as a Christian person, prospering as a child of God, being successful in God's eyes, which is really uh, all that that matters. Again, in Proverbs chapter three, in verse five, where we started here tonight, we read this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord as you study his word, as, as you begin to apply uh, his word to your life, to your life, to our lives. We say, Lord, I want your word. I want your truth. I want to apply it to my life. I want to do it. I want wisdom. I want to be a wise man or a, or a wise woman. I don't want mercy and truth to uh, forsake me. I want to be merciful, but I don't want to compromise the truth. Then we trust in the Lord. With all of our heart, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what's going on around us, our trust is in the Lord because he can't lie. We could trust him. He's not like a man that he will lie. Men lie. God won't lie to you. God will tell you the truth and God will speak the truth to you and to me in love. And because of this, we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not lean upon our own understanding. Uh, He loves us even when he chastens us. The Bible talks about uh, those who he chastens. My son, verse 11 of Proverbs three, he says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction from for whom the Lord loves. He corrects just as a father, the son in whom he delights. And so even when God is disciplining us, it's for our good. And it's because he loves us that he corrects us. Because he loves us, he disciplines us as 
his children. And we're not to lean upon our own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Our understanding is flawed. Our understanding is fallen and corrupted because we're fallen people and we live in a fallen, corrupted world. So we can't lean on our understanding. It's incomplete. We must learn to trust God even when we cannot see what he's doing behind the scenes. We stand upon his word. We trust that God knows everything. We trust that God does all things well, even if we don't understand. As a matter of fact, especially if we don't understand, that's when we really trust in God, because it's like, God, I don't understand this. I don't know how this is all going to work, but I'm trusting in you. I have peace in the Lord. I'm trusting in your word because God knows everything. He does all things well. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, verses six and seven say this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he, the Lord, will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon And so God is even calling out to the wicked. And you and I know that we could be wicked, too. If we didn't have the Lord in our lives, we'd be no better than anybody else. And yet the Lord is calling even to the wicked. He's calling out to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. The Lord saying, come to me, even come back to me. If you've left me, come back to me and I will have mercy on you. I will abundantly pardon you no matter what you've done. God is abundantly willing to pardon you and me of our sins. Now, this is what he says in verse eight. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As a matter of fact, we're told in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, Oh, the depth and the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways beyond our finding out. God's ways are so much greater than than our ways. They're past our finding out. We can't even comprehend God's ways because they're so much greater than our own limited, flawed, fallen understanding of man. And that's why we trust in the Lord. We trust in him. We believe his word. We rest in him. We have our peace in the Lord. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. His ways aren't our ways. Thank God, because our thoughts are a mess. Our ways are a mess. Look at man. Look at yourself on a bad day and myself on a bad day where we're uh, our faith is failing and we're not trusting in the Lord. We're walking after the flesh and we're walking after the ways of the world. We're a disaster. We're a mess. Thank God that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. How, how much higher are the heavens than the earth? Uh, scientists keep telling us that the universe is bigger than, 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 than what they thought. Again, man's information is always changing. Uh, the universe used to be 10 billion light years across and 15 billion light years across. Then it grew to 18 billion light years across because we got bigger telescopes, you know. Uh, now they say that the universe is somewhere in the neighborhood 
of 65 to 75 to 80 billion light years, at least across. It's, you know, when light travels at 186,000 miles a second, think about that. Light travels at 186,000 miles in one second, and yet the universe is 75 billion light years across. That's pretty big. That's how much higher God's ways are than our ways. It's just incomprehensible for us to understand the mind of God and to know what he knows. So we could trust him. We could trust him. He says in verse 10 of Isaiah 55. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. And so God's word could be trusted. We could trust that His Word is going to accomplish in our lives exactly what He intends for it to accomplish. As long as we're willing to learn from His Word, we're willing to apply it to ourselves, to humble ourselves, to seek Him and to surrender uh, to Him and to His Word. Back in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6, we read, In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Isn't that a beautiful promise? In all your ways, acknowledge him and then he'll direct your paths. He'll make your paths straight. He'll he'll make your path clear. He will direct your paths if you acknowledge him in all your ways. Now, how do we do this? I think one of the ways we do it is by seeking wisdom. This is all tied together to the wisdom of God. The wisdom of of God is revealed through God's word, his truth to us. And so as we study and we learn his word, we are acknowledging the Lord in all of our ways. We're not seeking to have our way uh, primarily. We want his will, not my will, but thy will to be done. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and then he will direct your path. So as we study, we learn his word. We then obey his word to us. Uh, you know, God tells us in the New Testament, it's very simple, two commandments. Really, it's one commandment. But Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor. And if you do this, you fulfilled uh, the whole of the law. And so as we do this, we then are we are letting our light shine before men so that men will see our good works and glorify our father, which is in heaven. That's how we acknowledge God. We live for him. We it's not just that we speak his word. We should do that. Uh, It's not just that we should learn his word. We should do that. It's not just that we tell people his word. We should do that. But we're living his word. We're living out what we know. And as we do this, we are God's witnesses. We're light in a very dark world. And guys, people are very, very uh, open right now. They're open to the things of God. I encourage you, let your light shine right now more than ever before. Let your light shine before man that they would see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven, because people are scared. People are confused. People are fearful. They're anxious. They're worried. 
And, and they're looking to you and to me. And they're wondering, is there any difference with these Christians or are these Christians just falling apart like the rest of the world is falling apart today? And I will say this, that from what I can see here at Calvary Chapel Visalia, uh, we're not falling apart. We're standing upon the promises of God. We're trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts. We're not leaning on our own understanding. We're trying to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways so that he may direct our path. Remember that you are probably the only Bible that an unbeliever is ever going to read. They're not going to come to church for the most part. An unsaved person really has no interest in coming to church. They may not really understand how church happens or why we do church or what have you. Today, people can't walk into churches even if they wanted to. Even on Easter Sunday, you can't go to church if you wanted to. The biggest uh, Christian holiday of the year, Easter, and the churches are all shut down. And so if they can't come to church, then the church needs to go to them. And we do that by letting our light shine. So you're the only Bible that most people are ever going to read. And as they read you and they study you and they listen to you and they watch you, what are you teaching them about Jesus? Are you any different than they are, you see? And if you're no different than an unbeliever, then maybe you're not a believer, right? I mean, it's just that simple. If you're no different than you were before you were saved, you have the same bad language, the same filthy habits, you're doing the same terrible things that you used to do, then maybe you're not a Christian. I mean, that just should be kind of obvious. Uh, but the idea is that we have the privilege to let our light shine, to reveal Jesus to a lost and hurting and dying and fearful world. Remember how God used others to reach you before you were saved. And then maybe you'll have an idea of how you could reach others so that they could be saved as well, because God used people to lead you to Christ. God used people to witness me to lead me to Christ. And it didn't seem that complicated. It's not that complicated. Just let your light shine. Show them Jesus. Love them. Show them mercy, but also speak the truth to them. Mercy. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them uh, upon your heart. Write them upon. Uh, bind them about your neck. Write them upon the tablet of your heart. Again, uh, Matthew chapter 5, and let's just end here in Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn with me there, the Beatitudes. It's a beautiful uh, teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus about letting our light shine. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. And then he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned again? 
It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Boy, there's, there's a lot here, guys, from Jesus for his people that we could take, we could apply, we could live. And as we do this, uh, we allow our light to shine. In, in, in a very dark world, our light shines brighter and brighter. The darker things get spiritually, the further and further we go away from God as a nation and as this world uh, the, the brighter the Christian's witness and testimony for Jesus shines uh, to this hurting and broken and fallen world. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, email us at podcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church to Hatchapi, California.